Everybody give Alana a hand. Maybe if it would be helpful, we could grab like another table for her. You have it already. All right. Um, so, to kind of let you know what we're doing while Alana's going back there and looking for a table, um, Zane's going to go help her. We, we, <laughs> oh, it is Taylor. <laughs> Thank you, Zane. Um, <laughs> you have been bulking. <laughs> um, so we um, we want to talk about Pentecost. Say, so how many of you grew up in a church where Pentecost was emphasized a little bit? And um, so um, I don't feel like we've overemphasized it over the years. And we wanted to take this morning to talk about. What it what the baptism of the Holy Spirit means? What is that? And and what Pentecost means to us? And as we talked about it, I had this picture. My papa has always collected like antique things, and he's very focused on like trying to give these things away. Like they he he has sold some of them over the years, but but just kind of collected antiques. He didn't ever, I don't think he ever cared about the monetary value. It was just something interesting to him. And I had this picture in my mind of my papa giving um, Grace, my daughter, uh, one of these old treasured antiques. And I felt like that what the Lord was speaking to me about this was that like, as a house, as a people, we carry an inheritance for the things of the Spirit. And I want God to renew that both in us as adults, but I want him to impart that generationally in our kids. And so I said, Elena, why don't we just share together and teach together? So you guys got to forgive us. We've never done this before. We kind of planned a little bit, but um, we're, gonna, we're going to share together. Because one of the things that my kids say is, Dad, I don't understand what you're saying when you're saying it. So I'm going to do my best to, to communicate on in terms that everyone can understand, but Elena's here to help me in case I don't do well at that. Um, and uh, yes, Elena. And, and first of all, we're just so grateful for the work you do with our kids. Super amazing. Let's give her a hand. She does. Awesome. Um, so when I was a kid, I was like probably five years old, four years old. We were at our old house, so in Rowlett. I um, saw this picture of a, of like all of these gold, it was, some of them were like the different statues and different things, but it was these beautiful gold and like rubies in this like Buddhist temple. I saw this picture, I don't know if it was in a magazine. And so I thought to myself, in my head, that had to be in China, like, so I thought to myself that if I just dig, you know, I, I will get, I'll, I'll get to, you know, if they have an underground layer of treasure, like clearly it's the same underground that I share because they're on the other side of the world. And so I got my friend and we went around the little corner of our backyard where I knew my parents couldn't see me. And I started digging because I'm going to get to the treasure that they got on the other side of the earth. And... I think that it's fascinating to me 
the um, you know the, the, fasc- the fascination we have even as kids with this idea of treasure and this man John Wimber who um, John and Suzanne were very impacted by um, and were part of this ministry called the Vineyard when I was in my early mid-twenties he, he taught a message on a particular parable that really, really changed my life. And I want to read to you the parable. Um, and I want, to sp- I want to talk to you. Whoa. Okay. What, what if I hold it right up here? Somebody want to... Can they... Hello. Can they hear it all, or is it very light? Okay. All right. We're going we're gonna to continue ahead, and I'll hold the microphone close. you got to do that, Atlanta. So I want to talk to you about this parable that, that John Wimber brought to light, and I want to speak to you in the way that, that I remember it spoken. And it's this parable of... The, of this treasure hidden in the field. So, so, so kids, you can, you can get this because you like treasure. Elena's going to make this even more, you know, she's going to make it better than I am. But Jesus tells us two parables. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, everybody say treasure, hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And so when we look at that, we see a treasure. And I think this first part is important for us to understand, kids, all of us, more than the second part even, is that you are his treasure. You're God's treasure. Jesus Christ paid the sins for what? The whole world that those who would believe would have what? Eternal life in him. And we are his treasure. And I think the way that a lot of times the gospel is communicated is that we are a piece of trash that he's pulling out of the garbage can to make, you know, into whatever. But everybody say, I'm his treasure. The second part of this is equally true. And that is that he... He is our highest treasure. He is our treasure. And so as you are His treasure, He is your treasure. He is worth paying our whole life, searching for the whole world, looking for the special pearl. He's worth all of that because it is the pearl of great price and it's the treasure that's hidden in the field. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. 
Hello. Okay. <laughs> so I want to break this down a little bit for the kids. Um, when Jordan asked me to help him, I was like, all right, whatever. And then we met, and, and he was like, sometimes my kids just don't understand me. And I was like, hmm. After I left, I was like, I don't know how many times I've sat in a staff meeting, Googled something, because him and Zane and Ryan are talking about something, and I'm like, I don't even know what we're talking about right now, <laughs> which is maybe why I work with kids, but my theology is love big or go home. So there we are. <laughs> so uh, right now, um, kids, I want you to think, we always do this little talk at the beginning of our lessons, right? So think about what's a treasure to you? What's something that you treasure? And think about that thing for a minute. Got it in your head? Okay, on the count of three, everybody say it all at the same time. Are you ready? You got your treasure? Eden, got your treasure? Everyone can do it, but <laughs> I'm talking to the kids right now. Okay, everybody blurt out your treasure. One, two, three. Oh, I heard stuffed animals for sure. Who said that? Oh, there you are. Um, so a treasure can be a physical thing, like I was thinking of like pirates or whatever. Um, in a sense, it means a a quantity of precious metals, gems, valuable objects. So immediately I went to Aladdin and the Cave of Wonders and all of these things stacked up and, you know, gold and jewelry and silver and all the things. And um, it's pretty awesome, right? If you got all that treasure. I know David wants all of that treasure. <laughs> all of the treasures he wants. So... Anyways, um, everybody wants this, this treasure. They want to go to the Cave of Wonders and get this treasure, but not just anybody could go in the Cave of Wonders, right? They wanted Aladdin. And, and I kind of just thought about it um, this way. Um, the treasure we're talking about today is not a physical treasure. It's a different treasure. We're talking about a person that we love, that we value them and the assistance they can give, and, in, and the same in return. So we are his treasure. He's calling us to him like the cave of wonders because he's chosen us. We are his treasure and his presence being with him is our highest treasure. So if you want to think of it that way. Um. So um, everybody say he's our treasure. And I want, I want to continue. Lan and I are going to kind of bounce back and forth. But I want to tell you that I feel like even for those of you that maybe you've been to 8,000 Pentecost services, I think you're going to get something new today. So I want us to engage together because we're trying to engage everyone in this conversation. Um, just to give a little overview for the, for the kids, Pentecost is this story where Jesus had, had promised his disciples, those who followed him, he promised them that they would receive the gift. What do you think that gift is? Can anybody give me a guess? Say it out there. Tongues is a good, that's a good one. He does, they do get tongues, but they get the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit gives them the gift of tongues. So we, so Holy Spirit is the gift. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. And so, I feel like some teaching is necessary for this because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about this. So I, I want to give you context for why we're doing what we're doing, is that there's a lot of misunderstandings. And so at this place, you got a bunch of people who follow Jesus. They wait together in this place for prayer for a period of time. And then the Holy Spirit 
comes and they receive, like Grace said, they receive these, there are these things called tongues of fire that come on their head and then everyone starts speaking in tongues and what everyone hears is they hear in their own language praises to God and then all of these people come to know Jesus. And so what came from this story of Pentecost was this belief in what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can we say that? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right. And we'll talk about what that means kind of at the, at the end, but that's, that's something that if, if you grew up in a Pentecostal charismatic community, you would believe is something unique to what God does from just saving you, bringing into His grace. And I want to talk to you a little bit about my personal just view of that and how that has evolved over the years. And so, one thing that we know is that um, in John 14, 25-26, this is what it says. It says, Jesus is speaking to His disciples and He says, All I have spoken while I was still with you, but the Advocate, or Helper, can we say Helper? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. In John 16, 7, Jesus even says it more specifically. He says, Very truly I tell you, it, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Helper, or the Advocate, will not, will not come to you. But if you go, I will send him to you. So kids, I want you to get this. Adults, like I want us all to get this. Jesus is telling His disciples that what He has to give you in the Holy Spirit is so good, it is, He is going to be so helpful in leading you into truth, so helpful in guiding you, that it's better for you that Jesus goes away that the Holy Spirit comes. Now I want you to think about if you were one of His followers and you're like, so you are God, and you're right here with me, and I can see you and touch you and ask you a lot of questions. How is it going to be better that you leave, that I, know, that I know truth better? Doesn't that feel silly to me? It feels kind of silly. But, but, I, but what I'm telling you is that Jesus says, is the Holy Spirit who lives in you, it will actually be better that Jesus leaves because it's, He's that powerful in you. Now how powerful is that? That He is that powerful in you. And so, I'm going to read the story of Pentecost so that we can do it, and then we're going to talk about it for a moment. Um, let's all, kids, we can all listen in on this. It says, when the, in Acts 2, starting in verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Who can make a violent wind sound for us? There we go. Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. There were staying in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is a specific place, specific city in Israel there were these God-fearing Jews. So these are good people who believed in God who didn't yet know about the name of Jesus. From every nation under heaven, when, the, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Bewilderment is like, wow, amazement. 
because each one of them heard in his own their own language being spoken. They heard like they're speaking in tongues, and they heard in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, "Aren't all these speaking Galileans? How do they know my language? Then how is it that each of us hears in our own native language?" Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own language. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Okay, so we'll talk about that today. What does this mean? Um, I want to tell you a little bit about my story and our story of being... um, I don't like using terminology like of defining what kind of church you are, but I think sometimes it's helpful in understanding where we're coming from. And so... We 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 many of us are. This church has been very affected by by the Pentecostal charismatic sort of uh, movement. And if you could put that first picture up there, I've told this before, but I want people. I want to see this. This is a church. We got a little granular image here, but this is a church in Azusa Street in 1905. The Apostolic Faith something can't remember the full name, but but. Um, at this place in 1905, kids, there, um, there were people who would, millions of people would come from around the country. There were millions of people would come because God was doing miracles there. He was doing amazing things. I heard stories of a man, get the, a man who had no arm, his arm grew out in the middle of service. And they would come together and they would pray and there would be miracles and there would be people who did not know Jesus who would come to know Jesus and there would be people who would get filled. They would get filled with the Holy Spirit in this place. Now, if you want to put to the next picture, I like telling the story of this man because I think it's actually really unique in American history and for us. But this guy's name is William Seymour. And William Seymour was the son of a slave. And you have to imagine the time that we're in. The time we're in is 1905. Um, we are, you know, we're 50 years away from uh, the movement that would bring equality. We are, we're just a step away from slavery here. And what God did was probably this, this revival that has now resulted in a billion people in the world knowing Jesus. God used primarily started that with an African-American son of a slave in a country that still had racist laws openly throughout the entire what we were doing. And so it's profound to me that God chose this man to, and he would actually went to a Bible college where they would not allow black people to come in and listen to the message. And so he would sit and listen at the window because he was so hungry to know about the things of God. How amazing is that? That's the kind of humility that it takes sometimes to walk with God in an amazing way. And so, so you can pull that down. Um, a lot of uh, different denominations were birthed from that, but, but there was this movement of, of Christians who believed that God 
did miracles and that he worked in powerful ways. Everybody say miracles. We like to talk about miracles and I like, we like reading like Chronicles of Narnia and Lord of the Rings and we even like Star Wars and all these things. One of the reasons we like this as a family is that it teaches our kids that there is sort of some magic in the world that God created. Now, I'm not talking about magic like magicians and, you know, witchcraft. I'm just saying that God made our world amazing and magical. Amen? Like, it's, we're not just a set of facts. We're not just a set of numbers. Not everything is just easy to understand. Like, there are lots of things in God that are amazing and beautiful and just, I don't know the other word, but magical. And so, I love that about our, um, our sort of upbringing. And I want to talk to you about what, like, just for a moment, and we'll move beyond this, but my evolving view of what this means, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so if you grew up this way, key in with me for a moment. So I grew up in, in the Assemblies of God. We believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was evidenced by what? Speaking in tongues. So that was one of the 16 fundamental truths is that the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues. I went to Bible college and I, I was uh, not a... Um, I was not ever a kid getting in trouble for being disrespectful, but I often would find myself in disagreements with people who were teaching or whatever it was. Not, you know, and so, surprise, that's right. And, and so I, I realized that this wasn't something that I believed. I didn't believe that you had to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you may, may agree with me now at this point in your journey? And so that was a big thing that was emphasized. And so I shifted to, there was this guy named Jack Hayford. How many of you heard of Jack Hayford? He taught that if you believed and you asked for the Holy Spirit to come, it, you know, Jesus in Luke, Luke 11 says, if we're to give you a, if you're to ask for a, you know, a, a gift, am I going to give you a snake? The Father is a good Father, so He'll give you the Holy Spirit. And so Jack would say, if you've prayed for the Holy Spirit to come, then he's come. And so that was probably my belief for about five years. I would just say, all right, you know, if I was going to lead somebody to receive the Holy Spirit, I would just say, all right, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, come. Okay, the deal's done. And what I realized over a lot of years was while that sounded good and simple and very nice, it really didn't bear a lot of fruit. Like, I didn't see people becoming bold witnesses because they prayed the little prayer that I had them pray after me. Does this make sense? And so, then I heard this man, uh, John Wember, talk about how there could be, God could baptize you with the Spirit, and then He could baptize you again, then He could baptize you again. I was like, okay, well that's kind of interesting. But then I... And, and there's like all these like different little things. Like how many of you grew up in a church where like if, you was, if it was time to receive the Holy Spirit, it was like, all right, we're going to wait here for three hours till you speak in tongues. Like, I'm going to stare at you. Just uh, copy this one syllable. I'm going to, you know. <laughs> I actually didn't hear that, but comedic license, man. Just find, I did hear, just find a syllable. Find a syllable and go with it. And 
but, but anyway, like there's varying degrees of experiences that people had with this, but there's sort of this, all right, we've got to get the thing right now. And so, so there's just different things that happen. So I was like, okay, ask God and he comes. That makes sense. But some years later, the Lord took me back to the verse in Acts 1 because I just wasn't seeing a lot of fruit from this. In Acts 1, 4-5, it says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, this is Jesus talking to disciples. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say wait. Wait for the gift my Father promised. We say treasure. I'm just replacing that gift word with treasure because He's got a gift for them. Wait for this treasure the Father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to tell you like finishing of this part of it. What, where I have landed on my view of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe that there is this thing we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That when God comes upon you in a certain way, that you become very bold. Can we say bold? And power comes on you to be able to share the gospel of truth. But I believe that the most Sometimes this isn't the case. Sometimes people just get it instantly. But I think the best biblical example I can give for God giving this gift and for God giving any gift that He gives is that He asks us to wait. Like, have you ever thought about this? That for many things, for Israel, He asked them to wait. And for the disciples, He asked them to wait. For us, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the return. Waiting and seeking God is one of the most fundamental parts of being a Christian. And so I believe that God wants to baptize us with fire, with the Holy Spirit. He wants to give us this treasure. But there's an element of this that doesn't just come because I prayed a magic prayer. It comes because... I seek Him. I wait before Him. I hunger before Him. And the reason that I think God wants us to wait for things is because we treasure in our hearts those things that we wait for. You know what I'm saying? How many of you have had to wait for something and it creates in you a heart that treasures it? So my first question was, have you ever waited for something? (laughs) So if you're a kid, I know you've waited for something before, whether it be um, your vacation, okay? I know some of you, you know you're going on vacation, like, oh, it's never going to get here. You're waiting, you're waiting. Is it here yet? Is today the day? Is today the week? Um, I know for my kids, the way, like, we never had video games until COVID. You're welcome. Um, We were just a no video game house. We had a TV and Netflix, but we just didn't have video games. Um, and they waited and waited. I mean, Makeda was 13 before he had a switch in the house, so um, makes it all the more sweeter. Um, And if you're an adult, you sit in the waiting, whether you're waiting to move into a new house or about to start a new job or you're waiting to have your baby to arrive. There's just something special that happens in the waiting. It's a time of growth and depending on what we're waiting for. Um, Even in prayer, um, we bring these same requests over and over to God, and there's just something that happens in the waiting. It makes it so much sweeter um, when you get the outcome, and you get his outcome. 
So I'm just going to tell you a little story. So I have season tickets to the Ranger game. We split them with my dad. And I love baseball. My brother, I watched my brother play. I guess that's why I love it so much. I'm not sure. Um, and so I've been, and they just can't win, right? So David went, and they won. My dad's gone, and they've won. Every time I go, they lose. And so we have this joke that every time I get up from my seat, they hit the ball, and I don't see it. So one time when I was with Kate, I was at the concession stand, and one time I went, they didn't hit anything at all, and I was sitting there the whole time. Um, and so I took Annie on Friday, and, um, and uh, of course, the first ball that's hit, home run, me and Annie are shopping for a teddy bear. And I was like, here it goes again. I'm at the game. They're going to lose, right? And I've been waiting and waiting to see them win. I, I check my phone. I, I see if they won that day. I check their stats. There's a couple players I like. So I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. Okay, I'm committed to the team. Um, and so we sit back down, and, you know, we're, we're winning for a while, right, Andy? We were like, woo-hoo. And they're winning for a while, and then, you know, game's all getting close to the end, and then we start losing. And, and we just didn't pull it out in the ninth inning, and it's tied. And we're like, Ugh. I'm like, Annie, are you tired? Nope. I'm like, all right, she's committed too. So we're staying. It's late, late, late. And, um... I just didn't think we were going to pull it off. The Astros hit, and they went ahead, and we weren't sure. And I'm like, well, here we are. If we lose this game, I'm done. Someone can have my tickets. I'm going to give them away. Like, it's over. It's over with. But at the end, um, bottom of the 10th, runner on first that got walked, and a runner on third. And Garcia hits it out. Home run. You should have seen me screaming. But... <laughs> And picking up Annie, forgetting I've been to the chiropractor recently. And um, it was just, there was something sweet about all that waiting and rooting for the guys. I mean, I have a, I have a thing for the underdog. You should see me at Jackson's games. I'm rooting for the other team because we kick everybody's tail. And I'm like, come on, hit the ball, you know. So, but anyways, there's just something sweet about, about that waiting. So. <laughs> We've done a lot of waiting in Dallas. <laughs> Um, so how many of you can see this, this idea that you treasure what you wait for? And I think God doesn't need us to point, I, we have this view, I think sometimes with prayer, with prayer, God giving us things that it's like a video game. Like if you get a certain number of prayer points that like the bowl tips over and you win, you know? I've even literally heard somebody pray it. It's like the bowls in heaven. You put enough prayers in the bowl and they finally tip over, you know. Like, how many, how many exactly do I need? <laughs> Can you tell me that, Lord? But do you know what I actually think is happening? Is that I don't think it's about God getting enough prayers from us. I think it's about Him getting our heart in a way that we treasure things. And do you know that you steward something better if you treasure it? Right? Like if you actually have value for something, you, tr you, tr you, tr you steward it. You, you treat it. And so one of the, the beautiful things, I, I love different, I love the Anglican church. I love all different, there's like all these different beautiful things of different churches. But one of the most beautiful things to me about my sort of Pentecostal heritage was this idea of tarrying. Do you remember tarrying? Tarrying. And tarrying is just basically waiting. It's basically saying, I'm going to wait here like, and wait on God. And sometimes tarrying means I'm going to wait here for 30 minutes at this altar call. Sometimes tarrying means 
you know, like the disciples, we're going to pray for 50 days. And we're going to wait. But one of the things that we really gleaned from our Pentecostal heritage was that we understood this idea of waiting before the Lord. That it wasn't just a, it happened, right, instantaneously. And so, what does it mean to be baptized, to wait on God, and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I want to make, make this as succinct as possible. Um, when, when, we, when we come into God, everybody say salvation. When we come into His salvation, His Spirit comes inside of us. It's like me taking a little drink of this water. But, when we, get, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, then we get completely immersed and covered in, um, in His presence. Like, we get completely, we get completely, oh, there it is. I'm completely covered here. Am I supposed to teach like this? Okay. My hair is now messed up. But I mean, kids, can you see the difference between the Spirit being like coming into you and the Spirit covering you and clothing you completely. And God, in order for us to walk out what He has called us to walk out, we have to be immersed in His presence. And so I'll tell you, I don't think tongues is the evidence of baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know what I think it is? Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Everybody say, on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. Do you know what I believe that the evidence is? It's that you have the boldness and power to be a witness for Jesus. That is why the Spirit has come on you. is so that you can be bold and you can be full of power. And what we have done is we have relegated the gospel message to be this God fitting into the box of our lives and helping us like improve with a little bit of God points. Like we're going to be just a little bit better father, a little bit better business person, a little bit better whatever, a little bit better neighbor. But actually, He has come upon you that you can have power to be His witness for who He is. Like you want to ask, people ask, what is the destiny? What is the purpose? Like you're called to be a witness of the truth of Jesus' love. That's your destiny. Stop circling around the mountain to figure out what it is that I'm supposed to do. What you are supposed to do is to wait on God to receive His presence and to live as a bold witness of His love and truth in the earth. That is what you're supposed to do. End of sentence. You don't have to figure it out. He's already given you the command. Wait on me and you will receive power to be what? My witnesses. My witnesses. That's what we are called to do. And that's what the point is. And so so Jesus promises this gift of the Spirit. In every season, what has happened is God has exploded my box about what it means to be a person baptized in the Spirit. Every progression of understanding has been one that I can't explain even more. It's like it's more mysterious to me. I don't know how to tell you how long to pray, to wait, to tarry. But what I could tell you is Jesus said, wait. 
He said, wait. In fact, when, when they finally do receive the power, it just says in Acts 2.1, suddenly, they were all together and suddenly the Holy Spirit came. It wasn't as if it felt like they knew, just suddenly. And so there's two things to me that the Spirit does when we are baptized. He leads us into all truth. And He helps us to represent His truth. Amen? And so what we're going to do, and I, I didn't want to do a hype you up sermon today. Because I've had enough hype you up Pentecost sermons for all of the rest of my life combined. And I, didn't, I don't want to do that. I wanted to, to t- sit down and talk about what this means. And we are going to pray that God is going to Re, he is, Paul talks about stirring up the gifts that are within us. So we're going to pray for people to receive the Spirit for the first time. And we're going to pray for people to be stirred up in the Spirit who have known about this for a long time. We're going to, we're going to do that today. But I want to give you this, this, I, this, this understanding of what it is. And it is that we would be bold. And it is sometimes that we have to wait and pursue. And I haven't even talked to Susanna about this who's leading prayer but we're going to actually make this a part of our prayer rhythms over the next few weeks. That we're going to be praying that God would give us a greater filling of His Spirit. And so, um, Alana, why don't you... Yeah. Okay, I'm going to um, kind of explain to the kids about prayer time. Growing up, we like altar call. You know, hey, we're going to call you up. And I just want to... It's not something that we do pretty often in here. And, and, you know, we kind of call people up if they want to pray for something specific. But I want them to know. Um, well, let me, just, let me just say it. Um, God calls you to respond to him. And sometimes you can do quiet. You, could, you can respond quietly in your own room, in your own prayer time to his calling. And, and sometimes other people lead you to that um, by asking you questions and ex- you examining your own heart about what's in it and what you desire. And um, I know that um, when I was little, I didn't always respond because I wasn't sure, hey, is that for me? And um, I didn't want to be embarrassed. But it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like tug of war. I've heard it called like a tugging on your heart. But if you ever played tug of war, any kids play tug of war at school or whatever, and you've got somebody pulling on the other end, and if you feel that strong tugging, when Jordan asks you some of these questions and we're going to pray for you guys, you know, really examine your heart and say, God, is this for me? And if you feel that tugging, it probably is. It probably is. So respond because I know that a lot of times I didn't and I just sat there and, um, and didn't receive anything, but when I stepped forward and said, okay, God, if this is you, I'm coming, um, it was so sweet. And so I just encourage you, um, you kids today and adults, um, during this prayer time, really examine your heart. Listen for God. We, we listen to God all the time, remember? And so there's different ways he talks to us. And sometimes it's an impression, sometimes it's a vision, and sometimes it's just a feeling. So if you feel it, I just want you to respond. So, so kids, just listen to me real quick while you're, while you're here. I'm going to give us a call. Want all, all eyes over here. Uh, I'm going to give us um, a call to pray, and it's going to be for 
all of us. It's not going to be just for kids. But I want you to, to hear what we have this morning, and I want you to listen and be able to respond in prayer to what we're going to, we're going to pray for as a group together. And so, um, do you, Zane, why don't we, you come and play? Just we can fill the fill the awkward silence, make this a little easier. Um, but but um, I, there's two things that I want to pray for this morning. First of all, I want to pray. I want to give us a chance for those of you that you were you prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, but you feel that you need God to sort of awaken this fire again, that you want Him to stir this, I wanna, I'm going to first invite you to come to the front. And the way that we're going to do this is we're, the goal is for us to pray together as a community, not just as individuals. And the second thing that I want to do, and this is probably applicable for some adults and, and many kids, is for those of you that haven't prayed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is, this is new for you, then, or you haven't received that, I want to have those of you come after, and we're all going to stand around in this circle, and maybe you want to kneel, maybe you want to stand, but we're going to do exactly what we talked about, which, was, which is wait on God. And so, let's stand together. There's no, no hype this morning. Anything that God does, God does. And I want us to close our eyes and, and, and listen for a moment to the Holy Spirit. And if you can, if, if you're in this place where you know that's a gift, you know that gift is something you received, but you're not living in an active way in, in the fire of His presence, in the fire of the Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to come right now as I just, as I'm standing here, I want to ask you to come and let God stir that fresh and anew right now. So anybody that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you want Him to stir you more, I want to invite you to come right now. Now I want to invite for those of you that you don't you don't remember praying for this special gift, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't remember receiving this gift. I want to invite for those to to just come forward and stand at the rug with us.
And I want to invite, finally, those of you that feel compelled to come and stand around people. You don't have to know whether they're here for a first time or for renewal. I want you to just to stand around them and put your hands on them. And those of you who are down here praying for God to stir in you or to give you, I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to open your hands. Like, just like this. Like you're receiving this gift of this treasure. And I want you to just to, to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Just a very simple prayer. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. And let's just, let's just wait in this place. We're going to wait for a little bit. Let's just pray. Let's sing this together. Holy Spirit, Make that a prayer. You just continue to wait for a moment. I want to invite, the last people I want to invite is that if you feel like that you have been um, negatively affected or if you feel like you've been traumatized by some element of this Pentecostal charismatic sometimes craziness, if you feel like that that you've had some some way that this has negatively affected you, I want to have you come as well. And I just want to pray that God would remove any any trauma so lord we just pray right now that for every person here that your fire would come right now that your presence would come that You would teach us to hunger and thirst for You. You would teach us to be 
powerfully bold in our faith with you. So Holy Spirit, come right now and stir our hearts with your fire. I pray that we would be those people who would be on fire for you, Lord. So I want to finish doing one thing. If I can invite John and Suzanne, maybe Kevin and Chandra, Suzanne, a couple others. If I could, I want to get kind of a line of people coming to the table of communion. And we have this anointing oil. And we're going to lay hands on on every person who wants to come through the line. One of the things that we think that that God primarily, when, when He gives these gifts, is we feel like that, he instructs us to lay hands on each other. And so before you come to the table, we're going to lay hands on, on, on everyone to re- just to receive more and to receive more and to live more in His Holy Spirit. And so if, I can, if you guys can make kind of a line here and oil is there on the table. I just wanted to share this story. Um, this week, I, you know, something came on my news um, feed, and I, I read it. And it was a story about a teacher. And if you, I am a teacher, so I have played out the scenario in my head any number of times. But a sixth grader had brought, had brought something to school and um, was looking to hurt people. And the, the math teacher heard something going on. And immediately, she sprung into action, and she got her class. She told them, when I tell you to go, you're going to run. You're going to run to the high school. And she got in the hallway, and she saw this little girl that, that was just really having a really, really hard time. And in that moment, she walked towards the person. And she cared more about the person than she did any kind of harm that the little girl was causing. And she walked over to her, and she put her hand on her and said, um, Are you okay? and just took, took what was in her hand out of her hand. And the little girl fell down on the ground, and, and the teacher just wrapped her up while there were, there were people that had gotten injured. And I think this is a really good example of the Holy Spirit in both ways. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when he really comes upon you, that's who we are to the world. We care more about the person than we do the offense. We care more about the person than we do how we might get hurt. But it's a supernatural thing. And I think in that moment, something supernatural, you know, came over her. And I always hope and think as a teacher that I would be that person. But the truth of the matter is we're supposed to be that person every day. And then there's, I think, another beautiful message of if that is how the Holy Spirit is, that he cares more about you than the offense. He cares more about you than what's in your hand. And so I think there's a message of the Holy Spirit in this moment of what you can look to receive. No matter if you're the offender or you're looking to be empowered to go and reach out. That's a really cool thing about the gospel message is that it's for everyone. It's for all of us. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's freedom both ways. There's no shame here in the presence of the Father. He just loves you. And what's going to come your way is going to come your way, whatever is going on in your world. 
But the really cool thing, and Zane and I were kind of talking about this, no matter what happens, he is there with you. And the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is so important in the mix of that. It is the supernatural staying power to do something that you could not otherwise do. And so I just want to empower you with that. Whichever, whatever image of that you identify with, I want to let you know that that's real. Forgiveness and that type of power and, and, and just what the Holy Spirit can do, the work of the Holy Spirit is a real thing. And I experienced it when I was very little. So if you're a kid, he doesn't care if you're like a kid or not. He doesn't, he, the, the Holy Spirit, God does not care at all. He has no respect of if you're an old person like me or if you're young like you. He loves us just the same, and he wants to talk to us just the same. So I just wanted to encourage that. And right, right before we pray, I'm reminded of something. I look back here. Uh, Max was sharing this morning kind of some of the sentiments I've had at that a lot of times we make this all about the service. At least maybe we don't now, but that was the way that sort of was contextualized when I grew up. And this is about living out life in the Spirit. That's what we're praying for right now. We're not praying for, um, we're not praying for God to give us some wacky encounter, which He does. I've had them. And not fake. And, but we, we're praying that He would enable us to live a life of truth and love. So, yeah can't play guitar and say this at the same time. Um, I, I, one thing that stuck out to me while, they, while Jordan and Alana were talking was um, it's, what it says is that, it, that we all have power to be a witness. And I've thought many times about um, when I'm like living in a time in my life when I'm most am walking in the Spirit, the thing that I most become aware of is that I have power to be a witness. And when I say to be a witness, I don't even mean to share the gospel. I mean that I'm more seeing what God is doing. Like I become more aware that God is active in me. And I become more aware that God's active in the person that I'm next to at the grocery store or in the park. And I I become a witness. I start to actually be aware of what God is doing and I'm watching it. And so when I, begin, when I begin to watch it, then I have the opportunity, I have the option. Like, when you're unaware that God's doing something, you have no option to participate. But when you become aware that God's doing something, now you have the option to join in and be a participant in that. And so the more awareness that you have, the more you can participate. And so in my mind, this, a big part of this power to be a witness is that your eyes are opened to what God is doing and that now you have the choice within you. And a lot of times, sometimes when you're early on in the process, or sometimes when you're late on in the process, then that, that opportunity feels like a big pounding in your chest, like God's doing something right now. Am I going to participate or not? And sometimes it's a quiet voice. But I just, wanna, I just wanted to give that idea that I've been thinking, thinking and feeling all morning. It's just like, if you, if you want power to be a witness, then be ready to keep your eyes open and be ready to see what God's doing and figure out how you can participate. I just feel compelled to share, um, especially when you said something about, you know, being healed from the trauma of Pentecostal. I don't know what church I was in before, but I don't know. Anyway, but I just want to say that there's no trauma that God can't heal. And if you know my story, you know where I came from and how hard it was when I came and then where I am now. Not to boast on me, because, you know what I mean, but what God has done. So one of the things I remember 
when I first went to this church, this church, was I gave my life to the Lord. And I remember speaking in tongues. And then as things progressed, I remember her telling me that God took that from me. Like, you're not good enough. God won't, you know, he, he took that from you, basically. So as I was sitting here and I was just reminded, God is like, I never, t- like, the speaking in tongues, I never done it. Like, I've, I've done it, but I wouldn't do it because she told me that I couldn't. And I remembered over time that you don't do it because somebody told you not to, not because it's not there. And I just remember, st- I'm just standing here, and God is like, no, you can. You can do that. That's not because of her, anybody, but it's because of the power that's in you. So there's no trauma that can't be healed. Nobody can tell you what God can and can't take from you. You know what I'm saying? Like, if God put it in you, that it's there. If you want it, you can have it. Like, it's available. And so long I've lived in that. Like, there's certain worship songs that I wouldn't worship to because she told me something about it. And just even over t- this past year, God has just healed me from that. Like, it's a worship song, Jernisha. You can sing the worship song, you know? <laughs> but it was so ingrained in me from these songs that, like, I'm not, I can't walk in that because maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It was just something the enemy used to torture me. You cannot, do not let the enemy torture you. Do not let him, are you standing here? You can have the Holy, you have the Holy Spirit. You can have this gift. You can do all things in Christ who gives you strength. Nobody can take that from you. I promise. Amen. Well, hey, can, can we can't force like a line, a t- tunnel of prayer over here? Let's kind of like move it. Like, there we go. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yes. It's fine. We're, we're gonna, you're going to get the elements and go back to your seat. We're going to pray together. Um, but, but, there, but, but these folks are going to pray for you. And, and um, don't be surprised if God does give you the gift of tongues. Because <laughs> I still believe in it. And so, um, but let, let's, let's just uh, come through, grab the elements, and let this group of people pray for you. And I just believe that God is going to deposit and renew things in us. So, go for it.